Let's turn to the scriptures, please. Let's turn to the book of Daniel. I tend to when I... I started one time when we were dedicating children. We thought then we'd try and bring a message that would uh, complement the, the name of the child that was dedicated. And so, obviously, Daniel's an easy one. I've had a couple of hard ones, but we've managed to dig something out. But Daniel was an easy one uh, to bring a message on. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 1, please. And let's read the first nine verses. Now, in the year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the minister of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish but well favoured, and skilful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. And Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the princes of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Keep your Bible open for we will be referring to this and other portions of scripture. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, we just thank you for your spirit, for your great love toward us. We just thank you, Lord, tonight that, Father, you're here in your faithfulness, even as we've been singing. What a faithful God of I. We thank you, Lord, that you always remain faithful, even in our unfaithfulness. Father, we ask you now to shut each and every one of us in with yourself and to settle us in the house of God. And may our hearts be open and ready to receive the engrafted word, which is able to save a soul, which is able to, Lord, find a place to lodge and to bear root and fruit, Lord, that, Lord, that your name would be glorified in lives. And if there is one that's here that does not know your son, as their own Lord and personal Savior, we pray tonight that, that you would draw them to him and that they would see the Christ of God, the Lamb of God, which beareth away the sin of the world, taking their sin and their shame and their sorrow and their suffering and their sickness. And we pray, Lord, that you would allow us tonight to have fresh revelation of the things of our God and the glories of your kingdom. 
And we pray tonight, Lord, that you would minister the only way that you know how and the only way you can and glorify thine own Son. We ask it for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. Amen. It's often thought and it's often seen, whether it's Bible story books or for children or even when we read through the book of Daniel, it's, it's always preached as though Daniel has always been an old man. Now we know that every man grows up from a baby, but in Daniel's day, in the Bible, it always seems as though Daniel was an old man. Every picture, whether it's the lion's den or somewhere else, maybe kneeling with his window open towards Jerusalem three times a day praying, he always seems as if he is an old man. Bible stories and narratives always put Daniel's life as if it's away down the line somewhere. But what we have to look at this evening is that we have an observation to be made by preachers, including myself, who look at the life of Daniel and the faith faith of Daniel and all that Daniel did through faith in his God and the conquering of even the very lions whose mouths were shut. And we look at it and we say, you know, dare to be a Daniel, have faith like a Daniel. And sometimes we miss that Daniel is not a superhuman. And he's not a superman. Daniel was a man of flesh and blood like you and me. And what we fail to see is that we, we need to recognize that Daniel was not always an old man and mature in faith. He was an old man or an older man with, you know, the long beard as we see with a, with, that's white because of age. Daniel was a young boy when he was taken captive from Judah, Jerusalem. Judah is the southern kingdom of Israel. And he was taken captive there into a strange land, into a foreign land, namely Babylon. Some say Daniel was as young as 12. Some say he was maybe 15. But can you imagine a young boy who is ripped from his surroundings? A young boy who's ripped from his home, ripped from the temple, taken by force, and Daniel was one of the first that would go because there are, uh, over the years, there were many uh, invasions of the Babylonians coming in and conquering part of Judah, then carrying it away, coming further in with another incursion and taking more of the Jews or the Judeans away, or the Judaites away, taking them into Babylon. And this carried on back and forward until Jerusalem alone was left. You see, Daniel was one of the first ones that was taken away. He was one of the early captives. And of course, his friends that were with him, the three Hebrew children that we've read off in Scripture, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were some of the early ones, so they hadn't got friends there that they could go and, and, and be in captivity with as, as family would be there as we move to a different place or a different land that could encourage us and help us. These, these boys were basically with the whole group that were carried away and they were on their own. Didn't know what to expect, but one thing they knew, they were in enemy territory and they were in enemy hands. And the only thing that they could hold on to was their faith in God was their faith in the Lord. We have to look at that not only were they young, they were brave, and they did have faith, but they were human. And all men on the face of the earth through all of time, save or accept the Lord Jesus Christ, except for Christ. Whether we speak of Noah, 
or whether we speak of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or whether it be Moses, or Joseph, or whether it be one of the prophets, or Joshua, or whether it be that young woman, Ruth, or Deborah, the woman who, who led Israel in battle. Yes, a woman who took charge when there was no man. God raised up the woman. And whether it be David, who was a mighty king, or Elisha, or Samuel, or whoever else, right up to Daniel here, every single one of them had their failures and their faults. And every single one of them needed the living God to touch their lives. And it was the Lord Jesus Christ who is different, for he is the one and unique Son of God who was sinless, who was harmless, who was holy, who was undefiled by the things of the world, and who overcame all these things. Yes, even in his flesh, he overcame it all. He was tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He's the only man of all humanity, counting men and women, who never sinned. The only one. And you can add in all those spiritual gurus who come out, whether it's Buddha and Muhammad and Confucius and whoever else, who try to be, as it were, in brackets, holy men. There's not one man and woman on the face of the earth except the Son of God who is holy. And the only thing that is holy in a man and a woman is in a child of God except Christ as their Savior and the only thing in them is holy is the Holy Ghost. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior trusting in the blood of the Lamb, that is the blood that he shed at the cross of Calvary, then you're forgiven of your sin. The Holy Spirit enters your heart. He lives, abides, dwells and resides within you. And you're holy. You're holy because of Christ and what he has done. And so when we come to the Lord expecting to be holy because of what we have done and who we are and where we have grown up and what denomination we belong to, how many times we went to church, whatever we, we think we can bring to him, we find that our holiness is as filthy rags before him. Even Daniel was a man that needed a mighty touch from God. We need to be careful when we look at Bible characters that we see the man and we see how God is in the man or works with the man and woman. But we need to be careful that we don't revere that person so much that we lose sight of the living God in them. So easy to hold someone in a high esteemed place so high up that everyone flocks to them as though they are God themselves. You miss out that they're just a human being. There's none righteous, no, not one. Paul the Apostle says in Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Whether it's a Bible character, and we learn from Bible characters, we learn from what has happened in the Word. We learn how God moved then, God moves now. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. And we learn from it. But we don't revere the character and deify them. And you can't deify a man or a woman except the Lord Jesus Christ. For he is God in flesh. Only one can hold that title. No queen or king. No prince. No pastor. No priest. No pontiff. Only Christ and Christ alone. 
Maybe you look at someone and say, they've let me down and that's why I've never come to saving faith in the Lord. You've held them up in such a high esteem. Remember this, they're just a human being. Don't miss God in the man and woman's life. It's the Lord you look for. We must look at Daniel and see the Lord, the living God in Daniel's life. For without the reality of the sovereignty, knowing that God is in control and over all things, without the sovereignty of God in their lives, without the sovereignty of God leading these individuals, without the sovereignty of God working in hearts and directing kings and governing nations and making history, we would have no story, we would have no glory, we would have no victory, and we would have no hope. Don't fix your eyes upon a person. And don't fix your eyes upon a man or a woman. But fix your eyes on the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. For he alone can save a man and a woman and forgive them of their sin. Daniel proves to us that faith in God and revelation from God is not declared, nor is it hindered by human years or the age of a person. When Daniel is carried away captive, Daniel is a young boy. Even some would say a young man. Listen to what Daniel declares of God. Now we look at Daniel and say, he is a a, a mighty man of God. We could say those words, but really he's just a man with a mighty God. And tonight you can look and say, well, I'm a weakling. I have no strength, but we have a mighty God. We have an almighty God. But listen to the words of Daniel in chapter 2, verses 20 to 22. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. You know what Daniel's saying here? Daniel is saying, look, there's things in eternity. There's an invisible realm. There's the kingdom of God. There's a kingdom that is coming. He says there's something more than meets the eye that you see and what I see. And you might look and say, well, look at him and look at her and look at this and look at that. But right behind all of this, there is a reality that there's a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. And the reality of it is, no matter what we think or how we feel or where we react to, you and I will one day stand before the living God and give an account whether we accepted Christ or not. And on that premise alone, we shall be judged. Daniel says there's an eternal being with an eternal welfare, with an eternal heaven and an eternal kingdom. He says, and there's a dark things of our hearts. He shines the light right into them. Look at what he says. He knoweth what is in the darkness. You know the secret things and the secret thoughts and the secret ideas and the secret sins and those things that if it was, if it was shown on a screen like we have here, that, that we would crawl under the seats that no one would know them. Do you know those secret things in the heart of men and women? You don't want someone else to know. You wouldn't have done in front of someone else. God knows every single one of them. 
the hidden things of darkness. And his light dwelleth with him. And he shines it into our hearts. In the face and in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says that men hate the light because their deeds are evil. They'd rather have the darkness. So we stay in the darkness thinking, well, we're hidden. We're camouflaged. We're covered by the darkness. But we're told God's light shines in the darkness. And he knows it all. Here were some Hebrew boys, young Judaite boys, and they're in a foreign land with a despotic king. They're in a foreign land, a land of evil, a land that worships the devil, a land of Babylonian mysteries. They're in a land that knows no light at all, a land of darkness, a land where they feel they've lost, where no one knows where they are. They're away from all that they were used to, away from the light of the temple and the worship of Yahweh. And they're away into darkness. But one thing is this, Daniel says, I want you to know something. My God shines in the darkness and he knows where I am. He knows where I am. I encourage you, Christian, maybe you're going through a dark period, a dark time in your life, and you feel it's too dark. I, I can't get out of this. Even God might not understand and know where I am. His light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend him. The darkness cannot overshadow God for, you know, Darkness only exists when there's an absence of light. Now you think about that. Darkness only exists when there is an absence of light. As soon as you go into your home and turn on the light, the room is dark when you walk in. You turn on the light, there's no more darkness. You know why? Because there is not an absence of light. Once light becomes present, the darkness flees from the light. And maybe you feel you're not saved and you feel my life is in darkness and God knows it all. And I've been running and hiding from God for a long time. I want to tell you something. If you come to Christ tonight, he says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And Christ will light up your life. For in him was life, and the life was the light of men, John said. And he lights up the darkness, and he gives you joy in your life, and a spring in your step, and your heart rejoices in Christ. Daniel proves that it's not in years that you don't have to be on the road so many years. He says, look, I know my God, and I'm just a teenager. And we have teenagers come here, and thank the Lord for them, and God has saved them, and it's marvelous. And we pray for them that they'll continue on the right road. Daniel proclaimed this after the despotic king Nebuchadnezzar had called the the astrologers and the astronomers and the wizards of of Babylon. He got them all together and he says, I have had a dream. You'll read about it in chapter 2. I have had a dream and, and I want you to tell me the dream. And tell me the dream and then tell me the interpretation of the dream. Now usually people would say, tell me the dream, we'll tell you the interpretation. We'll see if it means anything. But oh, Nebuchadnezzar, oh, he, was, he was disturbed and he was troubled. And he says, no, no, no. I want you to tell me what I dreamt. 
And then after I t- you, I, you tell me what I dreamt, I want you to tell me the interpretation of it. And mind you, don't get it wrong, because if you get it wrong, he says, I'm going to slay every astrologer and magician and wizard that's in this land. Oh, and by the way, bring Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego with you, because they have some sort of knowledge and light and wisdom that I don't know that they have it or how they have it. That I don't know of. Bring them in. And if they don't get it, they're in the same boat. They will be slain too. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the king bringing you and saying, see if you don't tell me what I dreamt last night and then tell me what it means. And if you don't get it right, I'm going to slay you. Oh, this wicked, demonic king. He calls them up and you can see That Daniel in chapter 2, if you read it when you go home, he shows a a bit of humanity about him. Showing he isn't a superhuman. Look, none of us are superhuman. We're all sinners saved by grace. But then we're elevated into heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It shows that he isn't a superhuman. You can see an anxious and an anxiety coming to Daniel's heart. He runs to his three friends, hears that the king really wants them to now, tell me now what the dream is, and then the interpretation. And in Daniel chapter 2, verse 15, he goes and he says, why is this decree hasty from the king? Notice Daniel, he starts to get irritated and he starts to get a little worried. This is Daniel's grief, if you want. He says, why is the decree hasty from the king? Verse 16, then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time. Can you see that young boy, young man now going in? He says, "Uh, king, would you give me just a bit of time? I I need to go seek my God on this. Daniel's grief was, here's his humanity. It took faith to dig deep. And then when you go to verse 17, we have Daniel's relief. Sorry, Daniel's belief. And it says, Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire the mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Here, here's his belief. He says, look guys, if you and I seek the face of God, If you and I, although we're in Babylon and away from the temple and away from family and away from friends and under bondage, he says, I believe my God knows where I am. And if we truly have a heart that believes there's a God in heaven that reveals secrets, let's seek his face for our lives are in danger. Here is his belief that God would answer prayer and save them from destruction. Oh, church, let's pray like that. Believing God to hear us. Save us from terrible fate. Here is his belief. They start seeking the face of God. God gives Daniel the interpretation. Go to the king and give him this. And tell him, here's your dream. And here's your interpretation. And so he does. The king can hardly believe his ears when he hears what Daniel says. And so we have Daniel's relief in in Daniel chapter 20 to verse 22 when he cries, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. So Daniel proves to us, even as a young man, doesn't take years on the road. 
doesn't take years of going to church. That God comes and reveals himself and blesses in spite of our years. Daniel's a young man, not an old man here with a big long white beard as we would see in some pictures. Remember this. He called a boy named Samuel in the temple as Samuel was brushing a floor. And he turned Samuel into one of the greatest prophets Israel had ever seen. He called another boy from the shepherds or from the sheepfolds and the fields called David. He had him anointed with oil by Samuel. He takes this young boy and he turns him to a great king. He takes this young boy and he anoints him mightily, makes him a prophet and a sweet singer or psalmist of Israel. Then he takes another boy and he calls Solomon and he says, what will I do in your youth? And and Solomon asks for wisdom. And he makes Solomon a great temple builder, one of the richest kings that the world had seen of their known day. The man who wrote the Proverbs and many other things, uh, songs unto God, a young boy. And he he takes a, a young woman called Mary He says, Mary, you're going to be blessed for you'll bear the Son of God. And she bore the Lord Jesus Christ. Daniel was from a noble background in Judah. Israel, the northern kingdom, had been carried away, kept of around 120 years before. And the encroachments now of the Babylonian kingdom had come in. It was the Assyrian Empire first, now the Babylonian kingdom. And they carry him away, one of the first and early captives. And he's from a noble background. In fact, in our reading, Daniel chapter 1 and verse 3, it tells us, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed And of the princes. Notice what he says. Bring of the king's seed and the princes. Daniel was of a noble background. King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to make a spectacle of him. And Nebuchadnezzar represents all that the devil would love to do with you. Make a spectacle of you. Take away your dignity. Rob you of everything you have. He brings this young, this young boy and carries him away captive. Verse 6 tells us, Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Verse 7, Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. Now notice this prince of the eunuch. He does the king's bidding, and this is what he had to do. You'll find that this is what they done for, at the king's request. Couldn't go in with the names of Jehovah or Yahweh on them. And here we're told that these name changes, they're very important that they mean something. And when you look at the prince of the eunuch and his name, we'll find his name in verse 3. The king spoke unto Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs. I think he had a little secret 
uh, grudge chip on his shoulder. You know what his name means? One who has a nose or a face like a horse. <laughs> so maybe he thought, right, <laughs> I'm going to change their names too. Why should everybody get the good names? One who has a nose or a face like a horse. Why the long face, eh? So here, he changes Daniel's name to Belteshazzar. Daniel's name means God is my judge. God is my judge. But also, it's said that Daniel, living in Judah, as a young prince or noble of Judah, that he, he typified, through his name and the carrying away to Babylon, that which God would do to the nation of Judah because of their sin. And God, through the prophets, had said, look, if you don't get your act together, you are a backsliding, a backslidden people. And if you don't get your act together, the same will happen to you, Judah, which happened to Israel, your sister. That is the nation called sister. And, the, and they never got their act together, and God gave them chance after chance after chance, and they stayed in a backslidden condition, and God allowed the Babylonians to come in, and then Daniel is taken away. So he typifies that God had judged Judah because of their sin. It also gives the idea that, that Daniel is called the judge of God. In fact, Dan, D-A-N, as in Daniel, L for God, and Dan uh, is when Jacob uh, became Israel, had 12 sons, and one of them was called Dan, where you get the tribe of Dan from. His name is Judge. So this carried on. In fact, the, 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 the A in it doesn't really, you can have, a, there's no vowel there, so you can have an O in it. Dawn, and Adonai, one of the names of Almighty God, means God the Judge. Dawn is Judge. Dan is Judge. Don can be Judge. That is in the Hebrew language. So here he's a judge, and God is his judge. Now he's judging for God. And Daniel's the one who's raised up to, to high levels in Babylon. And he starts pronouncing judgment. Oh no boy, them old boys didn't like it. You see, people don't like it when you, when you call them out on their sin. People don't like it when you call them out on their sin. And they either stay in their darkness and run away, or they... They come and repent and, and bow down before the living God and give their lives to Christ. And Daniel means God is my judge or judge of God or who delivers judgment in the name of God. And his name is changed to Belteshazzar. Now in Daniel 5 you read of Belshazzar. It's similar, very, very similar name, but two different people. Belteshazzar is a king of Babylon. And here we have, or Belshazzar is a king of Babylon. Here we have Belteshazzar, who is Daniel? Do you know what that name means? It means treasury of Baal. Treasury or prince of Baal. Here Daniel is a prince of Judah, where Yahweh, the living God, that is, Yahweh is Jesus of the Old Testament. Where he worshipped him, and he was made a prince through Israel, Jacob Israel. Prince or ruler with God is what Israel means. And he was made a prince. And here he's a, now a prince and a noble before Almighty God. He's taken away captive. And he now typifies and he shows how the devil strips us down. And how the judgment of God is upon us. But then it shows us something else. That the devil wants to claim you for his own. He places his own name on you. And he places the rights upon you. And he says, you belong to me now. He changed his name. That is the judgment of God. 
It means treasury or prince of Baal or Baal. Baal is the head name for the devil, Satan. And when you look at this name, Belteshazzar, treasury of the prince or treasure of the king, in Daniel chapter 1, verse 2, we're told that when Nebuchadnezzar's army came, they took them away to the land of Shinar, which is Babylon and so on. That's where Nimrod originally came from. And they take vessels from the temple, holy vessels from the temple of Yahweh or Jehovah, and they bring them into the treasury of their God. And now here we have Daniel typifying it. He's in the treasury of the God. Here we have that which is spiritual. And that was monarchical from the princes. It brings him into the treasury of Satan. I wonder how many people I'm listening to are listening to me tonight. And you're in the treasury of Satan. His name was changed to treasury or prince of Baal or Baal. Baal. Then his three friends, Hananiah. Hananiah, Hanan, Ayah. Ayah is where we get Jehovah or Yahweh. Ayah means God, really. And Hanan means something wonderful. Now notice this. Hananiah's name means Jehovah or Yahweh is gracious. Or Jehovah or Yahweh has favored me. The favor of God. Do you know what the favor of God is? It's called grace. Grace. And and Hananiah, his name when we split it up in Hebrew, Hanan, Hayah, Hanan means, is where we get a root word for grace. In Genesis chapter 6, we're told, And Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord, or in the eyes of the Lord, before the Lord. Noah found grace. The word for grace is the word Hanan. That's where you get Hanan, Ayah, for his name. And the word grace, sir, gives the idea of one bowing down, or stooping down in kindness to an inferior. Noah, there's going to be a flood. And tell all the people to get into the ark. Build it to the dimensions that I tell you, not how you want to come, Noah, but what I say, and men and women will be saved. He builds the ark, and they all think he's a fool, and no one will come. And what happens? Noah and his family alone, eight souls, get into the ark, and alone are saved. That was grace. God bowed down and stooped down in kindness to the inferior. Hananiah, God has been gracious. Notice this. Here is the judgment of God in Daniel. Here is God's judge and the judgment of God typified in Daniel. And now here we have in Hananiah God's grace that you and I would not stand in the judgment of God. A picture of God reaching down to you. A picture of God coming down to me and meeting me where I am and bleeding and dying on the cross of Calvary in the person of his son that you would not be lost and go to a lost eternity. The person who's captive and in the treasury of the devil. His other friend, Hananiah, his other name rather is Shadrach and it means the king's little helper. <laughs> it means the illumination of the sun god or messenger of the sun god. 
know who the son God was? Nimrod, who built the Tower of Babel to heaven, tried by works to reach Almighty God, and God came down and scattered it and wrecked it. You can see it again in the European Union, what they're doing. It means the illumination of the sun, God. Here's something else I picked up in the way. I didn't, I, I didn't realize it was such a strong wording in this name, Shadrach. It gives the idea of one rejoicing in the way. One rejoicing in the way. The devil puts his mark upon you. Brings you to his treasury. And he's rejoicing on his way. A soul in the clutches of the devil. But you see, the Lord Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 6, the devil isn't the way. He says, I am the way. The truth and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, the early Christians weren't called Christians. They were called followers of the way. They were anointed in the way. They rejoiced in the way. They worshipped in the way. And here, even though the devil tries to change the name, God knows where they are. Moving quickly, the next one is Mishael, his friend. It means who is his God or who is like God. Mishael, El for God again. It means who is like God and you know, God says through the prophet Isaiah, uh, chapter 40, and memory served me right, he says it twice, it's mentioned twice. Who is like God or to whom will you liken me to and to whom will you compare me? In other words, there is no one like him. And even in Babylon, there was no one like the Lord. For whenever they tried to change his name, they tried to change it and they changed it to Meshach. And Meshach is the moon god. God of the moon, or Astarte is one of the names, Ashtaroth, the queen of heaven. You know, when you look at Islamic countries, you'll see a crescent moon. That's Ashtarte. That's the moon god. They say Allah, it's the moon god. And not to offend, but it's just the truth. When you look at Rome, the mother and child, that's a start date. That's where it comes from. It comes from Babylonian mysteries carried over to Rome. It's Venus for the Romans. It's the same word. And then we have Azariah, Ayah again for Jehovah or Yahweh. And he changed his name to Abednego. You know what Abednego means? It comes from the word Nego, which in Chaldean can mean servant of light. That sounds good, doesn't it? But do you know the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14, that even Satan himself is transformed to an angel of light. 
In other words, he dupes us. We tend to think Satan is a man who's dressed in red with pointy horns and a trident in his hand and a big long tail with an arrow-like head on the end of his tail and he runs around scaring people and people run away from him and don't let the devil catch you, all this sort of stuff. That's not what Satan's like. Satan was a beautiful creature. Read Isaiah chapter 14. Read the book of Ezekiel, full of precious stones, stood in the glory of God. With uh, Some say he was the very worship leader of heaven. And the Shekinah glory, that anointed Holy Ghost movement of God, the brightness of God's light that shines in the darkness, reflected of him. When it reflected of him, it saved the angels from being vaporized and destroyed from the light of his presence and glory. He was the reflection, like the moon reflects the light of the sun. The save us being blinded. That's what he did. And God cast him out of heaven. For he said, I shall be like God. Names seemingly were to triumph over Yahweh are given to these captives, but God knew where they are. Remember this. I'm closing. Remember this. John 10 and 10, the Lord Jesus says, The thief cometh not before to steal, to kill and to destroy. And that's what they did. Nebuchadnezzar sent his armies to do that. And Nebuchadnezzar, the word Nebo is the same as Abednego. That means he thinks that he is the angel of light who is Lucifer. He comes to steal, kill and destroy. Listen to what Jesus says, but I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. No matter what the enemy does, God is still God. His word would still remain. His covenants were sure. His promises would still stand. His faithfulness as David proclaimed in Psalm 36 and in verse 5. That his righteousness reacheth or his faithfulness reacheth to the clouds. Here's a closing thought. Jesus, not that child. What did you say there? <laughs> Bless him. Bless the evil. Here's the closing thought. Daniel chapter one verse eight. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor the wine which he drank. <laughs> now whether they brought meat which was off the swine or shellfish or whatever which, were, which are an abomination before God or whether it was offered to an idol and it was maybe venison or whatever it was we don't know but physically speaking the pig is still the pig by the way no matter what you pray over it it's still oinks in the field or whatever it is whatever you, the pen it was still an abomination before God Daniel says, I will not, even though it would be easier for him in life, I will not eat of the king's meat. And I'm certainly not going to drink his wine. I'm not going to take of the devil's table, he says. Even spiritually, whether it was something offered to idols, sure he could pray over it and sanctify it. Daniel says, no, I'm set apart for my God. He purposed 
in his heart, in his mind, the resolution of his will, his conscience, his moral character, the seat of his appetites, the seat of his emotions and passions, and the seat of his courage. He says, I will not defy nor pollute myself with the things of the world. I will not give a, a foothold to the devil nor place to him. We're told that Daniel was brought into favor with the Lord. Sure, it would have been easy, Daniel, just to say, sure, just give it to me. I'm away out in Babylon. Who knows? I'm in darkness room, carried away captive. I feel sorry for myself. I'm away captive, and sure, if you three boys don't say anything, neither, neither will I. But you know something? He had a conscience. He had a conscience that no matter where he was, that there was a God in heaven. That there was a God in heaven. I pray tonight that in your conscience you'll know that there is a God in heaven. We're told in Daniel 2, definitely close with this, that after that dream is told and Daniel praises the Lord, you know, Daniel's grief, Daniel's belief, and Daniel's relief, that as he praises God, we're told, Nebuchadnezzar the king, he's seen past the man, the boy, and he's seen his God. And if you read on, he praises and he falls down and he worships Daniel. He starts getting down the king. You see, when we walk with God, God will bring our enemies under our feet and then the subjection before us. And we're told that Nebuchadnezzar fell down on his face and worshipped Daniel. Do you know what Isaiah 46 and verse 1 says? Remember Belteshazzar? He changed his name, Bel. Nebo for Nebuchadnezzar. What 46 and verse 1 says? The Lord pronounces, Bel, bieth down, and Nebo stoopeth. And here the devil comes. Manifests through a man's heart and falls at the feet of Daniel, the judge of God. And one day the devil will be judged of God, cast into a burning, fiery lake, and all those who know not Christ with him, with the beast and the false prophet. Don't be there, but give yourself to Christ. For there's none righteous. No, not one. God bless you. God bless his word to our hearts tonight.